today. I thank you, Lord, that those who have come for healing will be healed. I thank you, Lord, that those who want to pray uh, and have a ministry to the sick will receive that anointing today, Father. I thank you that everything that's ordained of you for this group of people today will be met. And for those who are watching us on the Internet, Father, we thank you that the glory of God is, is not bound by distance so we will impart the anointing at every place today in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. So today we're going to talk about some people who were healed by extreme love. Amen. Healed by extreme love. You need to know that God is love. Everything that he does, he does out of love for us. He does it out of love for his truth and his word and to see his word manifest everywhere. And so God loves us. Amen. He loves us. His love is everlasting, which means it never stops. His love is indescribable. It, it just is beyond description many times. So the best thing to do if something you can't describe is just experience it. Amen. So at least you will have the experience. You don't have to be able to tell anybody what happened, but you will have that experience of the love of God. Extreme love is what took Jesus to the cross. Amen. He had such a love for humanity that he decided he was not going to leave us in a hopeless and a helpless situation and condition. Jesus left his earthly throne. He left heaven. He gave up his heavenly estate and he humbled himself and let, uh, let God the Father wrap him in human flesh. And so he humbled himself to become like us. And he proved himself to be a great high priest because he knew we would need an advocate at the throne of grace. You always need an advocate in this life. Why? Because you have an accuser already released in the earth. So you need a lawyer to speak up for you. Amen. So Jesus is that advocate. He is taking care of everything. He has made full provision for every need that we would have through his great love for us. Extreme love takes no thought for his own life. Jesus never took thought for himself. Everything he did was for our redemption and for our salvation and for our wholeness. God had a plan to make us whole even after we were damaged. And so extreme love brings healing to us to make us whole. What that means is that we are fit for every good work that God has ordained for us to do. We're no good for the life of sin anymore. After you're born again and you're born of the Spirit of God, you are spoiled for the devil's power. You got me? That's why the devil tries so hard to keep us from ever experiencing God's love. You ever wonder why the devil uh, will try to, uh, uh, well, not only kill a baby, he aborts babies. He'll put cancer on a small child. He'll cause babies to be born prematurely, all that kind of stuff. If you think about it, the enemy knows that even at birth, you are a threat to him. All humanity is a threat to him from the day that we are born. Why? Because there's always the possibility that we will run into the love of God. 
And once you run into the love of God, you're spoiled for the love of if anything and anybody else. Amen. And so you don't want anything but God. You won't. You protect that place that God has in your heart and in your life. And so as God uses his extreme love to capture us, once we are captured, we love him extremely back. We love him back into the extreme. People who backslide always kind of interest me because I think they never really tasted of the heavenly gift to begin with. Got me? Many times when we're in, in religious atmospheres and environments, there's, you know how people always talk about secondhand smoke? Well, there's a secondhand Christianity. That you don't have that relationship face to face with God. You get your secondhand. And it's always their leftovers. It's always their cast off. Because some people never really shed that, uh, that identity, that old nature identity. They always cling to that as though they're holding on to something valuable. You ever have, you've run to people, we've all done it, you're witnessing the people. You'll, you'll uh, ask somebody if they want to give their life to the Lord. Oh, I like my life the way it is now. You know, I'm not ready yet. Uh, they're not ready. And there are people like that who have confessed Christ and aren't ready to give everything to him. And so we see many people living beneath their privileges in God because they don't know how to open themselves up to the great love of God. But once you do that and experience the love of God, nothing else will satisfy you. And the devil knows that. That's why he's always lying on us to God and lying on God to us. To see if he can cause something to come in there to separate us from the love of God. Because he knows that love is the most powerful force that ever hit the earth. I was so, Somebody was saying, uh, uh, I don't know, some, I forget who it was. Some of the younger girls in the ministry were mentioning a sermon that they had from, heard of a minister uh, talking about... Uh, Jesus not having been married, a people, uh, you know, Jesus is a marriage counselor. What do they say? He's never been married. Oh, he didn't have a wife. And I said, he, he was married to us. All from the foundation of the earth, he's been married to us. You know what I'm saying? He is committed. He is in a very, very committed relationship. You got me? So he wasn't looking for anybody and tempted for He wasn't never free. To try and marry an earthly marriage. Get real. Everything he does is by the Spirit. But he was always committed to us. Always betrothed to the church. Always the husband of the church. Amen. And so when we understand the depth of his great love for us. The commitment there. The desire to see us adorned beautifully. To be back, brought back to our glory that he had when he first created us. That's all he's trying to do. He's not taking anything from you. If you've got something that's not like him, it's a loss anyway. You know, we're all hanging on to lost things. We think our little, uh, our, our little sin is so wonderful and our, you know, our, our uh, uh, worldly dress is, is worth. You know, I get in trouble with this stuff because I'm a little old school. I don't like... I just think modest apparel is it. I believe what the word of God says. Now, modesty depends on your point of view. You understand? But you know what you're trying to do when you get dressed up. 
Huh? You already got him. He said, dress modest for me. Amen. You already got him. And if he got somebody earthly for you, he will bring them to you in due season. But you got to be looking like somebody who belongs to him. Back to my my notes. I made good notes. <laughs> when we were in sin, Jesus could not look on us. Imagine having somebody you long for, you love dearly, and you can't look at them. Because he can't look on sin. So his extreme love cost him to pay everything to get us to the point where he could behold us again. He said, I just want to see him. I just want to be close to him. I just want to look at him again. Centuries went by without our being able to be in the full presence of the Lord. That's what drove him to the cross, was the joy that was set before. You know what that joy was? Just being able to look at you. Have a conversation with you in the throne room where you belong. Huh? You don't belong in some bar somewhere. In some, I don't care if it is Fridays. You understand what I'm saying? You see how the devil moves the bar over into the little family situation? And the parents can sit there and get drunk in front of their kids anyway. Y'all going to make me learn the keyboard if you keep this up. (laughs) Right here. Praise the Lord. Huh? But there's all kind of schemes of the enemy to get us back into his power and separate us from the extreme love of God. Amen? The extreme love. All Jesus wanted was to have fellowship with us again. He didn't want to take nothing away from you. He wants to give much to you. You have an inheritance in God that has been laid up from you from the foundation of the earth. And Jesus longed, gave his life, was persecuted suffered, died, was blamed for things, totally innocent, blamed for the sin of the world, all so that he could have fellowship. Look at you and behold you. Huh? I was married for almost 30 years. You know, sometimes my husband would would just come in and, and something would snap in and he said, come here, let me look at you. I said, oh. You know, and you try to, he said, no, 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 just come here. Come here. That's the Lord. He just wants to behold us. He wants to have contact with us. Unlimited contact. And see, we'll get saved. He'll give us something to do. And we set about doing that and then lose contact with him. Huh? And then when the Holy Spirit makes you aware of it, you're like, here, I've done it again. How did I mess this up again? You understand me? And so it's like that with the love of God. He's constantly drawing us. When we get too far away, he has to make a stronger pull. But see, now that we belong to him, he can have the freedom to do all the things that he's always wanted to. Just think about that. 
Nola, he's always wanted to be able to speak to you about Pastor Shirley, he's always wanted to be able to speak to you about heavenly things. He said, look what I got for you. I'll share this with you. I got, girl, I got something for you. You won't believe this. Amen. As our friend, as our faithful friend, and as our spouse and our groom, he grooms us so that we can look just like him and have the royalty that he has. Have the dignity that he has. You know, I see how the enemy totally degrades people now. You know, they'll you know they'll call each other. You some of these shows they need to take them off. These stupid reality shows. Every word, everybody's a B. Oh, come on in here, B. I said, oh my goodness, let me turn this off. You can't. You know, I you know I run for refuge to the cooking channel. Which I ain't got no business looking at food all day. You know what I'm saying? You can't really help yourself too much in this TV world. So I watch ID Network. (laughs) All the bad people. But, you know, there's no escape from the enemy trying to degrade humanity. No escape. These women's marches, you know, they just, they degrade each other. Why would you go out somewhere and put intimate body parts all over you and call yourself wanting to promote something for women? You know, Jesus was the greatest promoter of women that has ever lived. If, if they could just know the love of God, if they could just know a little bit about the dignity that Jesus would bring to their lives. They quit looking for it out in the march in the street somewhere. four-letter words they think that's being liberated being able to cuss is being liberated you got me but God and the Lord looks at them and says if they only knew how much I long to have contact with each and every one of them my extreme love to would touch them in places they didn't even know they had a pain and would heal it you understand what I'm saying and so God wants to touch all of humanity And he has ordained that believers everywhere would know healing and know the power of health and wholeness. He died for that. Isaiah 53, if you'll go there, talks about what Jesus did, how he suffered, why he suffered. Praise God. It says in 53 verse 1, who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord means the strength of God. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, that there's no beauty that we should desire him. And that's talking about Jesus as he hung on the cross. And he says, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. But surely he has borne our pains, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But why did that happen? He was wounded for our transgressions. You know, sin has no power over you to steal your health. I don't care how much sin you do. It's been nullified by what he did. He took our pains, he carried our sorrows, 
the blood of Jesus is total payment for past, present, future sins. If it can't pay for all of that, what's it good for? Only a few sins here and there, only a few that people don't think are so bad or, you know, sinner's choice as to what you want to confess. But Jesus' blood paid for the sin of the world. Everybody that is under the devil's power and has obeyed the devil and sinned and it's caused pain in your body, it's caused deterioration in your body. You know, it even goes back to generations. You know, the, those, those uh, people when Jesus healed the young man that was born blind, they said, who sinned? His mother, his grand. You know, people try to go back in your family tree and find something wrong with thee. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? Jesus said, nobody sinned. They go, what? Huh? That almost seems like a contradiction because we know sin causes sickness. And he said, uh, neither. He said, this one's for the glory of God. Now let me tell you what the difference is. If you're sick, it doesn't glorify God at all, your sickness. But if you turn that sickness over to the blood of Jesus and you pray and you ask God to heal you, your sickness is now for his glory because he's going to heal you. I'll say it again. The people think, uh, well, you know, that's saying God is glorified in his sickness. Shannon, find that for me. Let me let people read that because we need to see that. Because you can, you can have illness, symptoms, whatever you want to call them. You got a diagnosis, whatever. You can say it's because somebody sinned or you sinned you know say for instance if you got the most common thing we know is directly related you have hiv and you know you've either been shooting up drugs or you're you've lived a promiscuous or homosexual lifestyle you can say that the reason you have hiv is because of your lifestyle you find it yet okay john eleven four. okay let me turn to that Not that one. This one is the the kid that was born blind. Yeah. Praise God. Thank you. That man know his Bible. Thank you. Thank you, Bishop Russell. You knew it was John, though, didn't you? Yeah, there you go. It says, as Jesus 9-1, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from birth. His disciples asked him, and these are your intellectual religious people, want to talk about generational curses and all that passed down from this. Yada, yada, yada. Who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Just that neither, that neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him or for the glory of God. Now, what this means when he says neither of them sinned, 
it was because they had been forgiven already. See, if you're in covenant with God, your sins are forgiven, period. Your sickness is not because you did nothing. It's for his glory now because he's going to heal you. There is no cause and effect anymore once the blood annihilates. He was wounded for your transgressions. They're gone. He was bruised for your iniquities. It doesn't count anymore. So now... It's for the glory of God. You know why? Because you're going to have a testimony when this disease leaves your body that God healed you. So nothing in your life that comes in your body, your mind, is because of what you did. You understand me? Don't you ever go back to letting the devil tell you if you would just quit doing this. You can't go backwards and undo what you did. So you might as well go for go present into where the blood is. And it's, it's flowing continually to cleanse you, to heal you, to pay for. A, it is payment for your sin. It can't be put back on you anymore. You can't be responsible for that anymore. But I just keep going back to, well, keep repenting. I tell you, it's going to work one of these times. Don't you quit now. Don't you dare quit now. Listen, if repeat offenders can get mercy from a man's court, don't you know a blood wash repeat stumbler? You just keep, stay before God and see if that thing won't leave you at some point. You stay before God and see if that that disease won't leave you at some point. You stay before God and see if that, you you will experience his glory if you keep it before the Lord. And so Jesus said, his parents, what are you talking about who sinned? He said, no, he came to me and asked to be healed. Now it's for my glory. He said, I took that off. I took him himself, took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So when that young man comes up there in his faith and asks Jesus to heal him, it's not an issue anymore. The issues are done. You don't go to Jesus to be prosecuted. You go to him to be healed. He's a merciful God. He's ever merciful. That's extreme love. His mercy endures forever. The devil is running around accusing everybody all the time. He can't get enough of heaping condemnation on people. He can't get enough of it. Do you ever, you ever realize that, that God hears your prayers when you ask for things? And if he doesn't respond immediately, that's nothing to condemn yourself about? I'm going to say it again. He hears your prayers. And if he doesn't respond immediately, that's nothing to condemn yourself about. Now, if you if you say you pray and you you ask God, it's always well with with me and people in my age group. It's the weight problem. You know, you put oh, you go in the doctor and they size you up like high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes. And I said, 
Put that away. I ain't receiving that. Huh? I'm blood bought. Twinkies and all. You got me? Huh? I tell them, I said, I lost 100 pounds. I just, it's the same 10 back and forth. Back and forth. Mm-hmm. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. Huh? Now, am I going to condemn myself because I can't get it together and get off the Twinkies for good and it show up on the scale? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because I tried it and it was, didn't agree with me. Huh? I mean, even Richard Simmons got a better weight loss program than that. Remember, he used to get them women, come on out here, darling, you look wonderful. And get them, encourage them women, them pounds off of them, sweating to the oldies and all that stuff. He didn't use condemnation. He is a sinner. So a sinner's no better than that. You don't beat yourself up because of your weakness. Huh? God will help you with these things. You can stumble at it and you can cheat on it and all that kind of stuff. But he still is there to help you, not condemn you. He's not looking for you to, I know people don't like this kind of talk because, you know, we're in the the age of supplements. (laughs) And uh, I tried taking a few of them. They broke me out and, and the Lord told me, he said, I thought you were trusting my word. Oopsie. Nothing against them if that's where your faith is and you see results and you like that. But for me, it would be a step backwards because I know better. You understand me? If you're feeling sluggish and all of that, <laughs> if you want joy, you must leave for it. <laughs> oh, <I am>. oh. <laughs> okay, God. Let me get myself in gear here. <laughs> because God deals with the root of things. You know, eating too much is a symptom. I don't know if y'all know that, but it's bad, but you know, it's a symptom. It ain't there is a root down there somewhere. Now, you can do all the Jenny Craig you want to, and see, them people, them stars get paid for that. You don't know how many millions they get. I'd get skinny if they gave me millions, too. Probably. Probably. It works for them that way. They real motivated. But you don't condemn yourself because of your weakness. You know, we if you ever look through the congregation, you don't know what people do behind closed doors. You understand what I'm saying? But they're reaching out for God. So we don't condemn them and they're reaching out for God. You let God work these things out with you. You let him have preeminence in your life. He will take care of all. He knows every problem you're concerned with. He will take care of that. But you've got to be patient with yourself to understand what God's doing in your life. So if, it, if, he, if you pray to be healed and it doesn't happen right away, are you going to give up on your healing and say, well, it's because of my, my, somebody's sin and this and that. You can't fix that. You can't fix what went on in the past. You can't fix the generations. You can't fix any of that stuff. But what you can do is keep your heart open to what God will do for you in his mercy and his extreme love to bring you back to health, to bring you back to wholeness, 
to bring you back to him. So God wants us to experience his extreme love. Amen. His extreme love. So where were we with this? Did we finish this scripture with a young man? Yeah, we did. Now, I want to show you another example of God's extreme love on somebody who really, really needed healing. In, um, let me see where do I want to go now. I think it's Matthew chapter 20. Uh, Matthew 9 chapter 20. Sorry about that. Matthew 9, 20. God is so wonderful. He he knew you were coming here today. You will not leave out here the same that you came. If you came in here limping, you can go out whole. Just focus on the word and focus on him and what he wants to do for you. He's already done it, paid the price for you. So what do we say? Matthew 9 and verse 20. And this is the woman with the issue of blood. And he says here, Verse 20, behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. And this is what she said within herself. If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. She schooled herself into faith. See, a lot of what you receive from God depends on how you process it. The Bible says in one account, they says, but she, when she heard about Jesus, so she had to have heard, what did she hear about him? That he was anointed, that he was a prophet, and that people were getting healed. He was healing people, mercifully healing people. This woman had an issue of blood. She was ceremonially unclean. The system that they had under the the temple and the priesthood and all of that was enough to have affected her healing but somehow that system failed her jesus knew that that's why he came the failed system all over the place you know you couldn't even raise your own pets for sacrifices you had to come and go go in the temple and buy from the the priest you know you you had to give a lamb or something and Oh, yeah, this lamb doesn't pass inspection. Uh, There's something wrong with it. This won't do for your offering. So you got to stay in your sin. But here we got one over here for $9.99 that you can buy. That's why you ran them out of the temple, folks. They're ripping people off. And so the temple system had failed her. And she trusted in doctors. And they were failing her. She trusted them as long as she had money. Why is everything coming down to money with our health? And see, when, they, when she runs out of money, she can't go to the doctors anymore. So now her ears start to... So you get real interested when you broke, sick, disgusted, and on your way to bleeding to death. And so she heard about Jesus and paid attention. That's what I always say. Because she probably heard about him before, but then she really paid attention when she ran out of money. Doctors, every time she went to the doctor's office, well, you know, you can, you have a balance from. You think they won't do that to you? 
can't do that to everybody. You got a balance you don't pay, you don't get no service. Just like anybody place else you go, you're looking for service. You know, they turn you away. They're not supposed to be able to. They'll tell you, go, go to the emergency room, you know, or something like that. Because they can't turn people away. That's why we got so many people clogged up in their system. Healthcare wasn't this expensive. I don't know. I was a nurse. I ain't going to tell y'all when y'all start asking. See, you, and don't, don't mess with me with this thing, numbers, age. Y'all start adding up on me and say, oh, he that old. No. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you when. But it was many years ago. Back in the day, doctors did not get sued. They had something they called in the legal system charitable immunity for hospitals, for churches, certain types of people that did charity work. They were immune from lawsuits and prosecution. They seldom invoke that anymore. You've got to have some insurance now because people will sue you. But I remember the medical profession started getting a negative image when they started doing abortions full sale. See, you have to have, there's, there's a certain thing that God ordains and honors when you are doing service. Instruments have to be dedicated, just like instruments in the temple were dedicated. When you take the Hippocratic oath, you dedicate your hands and your mind to do only good. And there is a phrase in there that says, I will not insert a pessary to cause a baby to pass through the womb prematurely. So they take an oath against abortion. They're breaking their own oath now. And so there's hell to pay if you break a vow to yourself. Somebody's watching over that vow to perform it. And so you didn't get sued. You didn't get all this trouble back, back in the day in the medical profession. You were immune. But now that you're not dedicated anymore, see, you can swing both ways. You can produce life or you can produce death. The same hand that tries to produce life in one way produces death in another. The increase of medical malpractice by accidental occurrence in churches has skyrocketed since then because i believe if you dedicate your hands to do good god watches over what you do and your hands stay in the motion of doing good and only doing good you don't slip up there are people tons of people now go and have a limb amputated and they amputate the wrong one off the same person you see what i'm saying it's because your hands are not dedicated anymore they go And so the woman with the issue of blood was in that system. She was in the system that wanted money or you couldn't see the doctor anymore. And the Bible says she heard about Jesus. That's the same thing we're doing now. We're hearing about Jesus right now. And she said within herself, she made a vow within herself. You know what a vow is? You promise that to yourself. You know, many of you got here because you vowed to be at this meeting. And see, once God hears that, he moves heaven and earth to get you here. You say something, God, I want to go there. Or you'll say something, I'm not going to miss it. I got to be there. That's a vow. 
you're sworn within yourself that you're going to get there no matter what happens. And God assists you in the getting of here. Now, you might have had some, some scares on the way. You might come in looking a little raggedy because the devil caught wind of it and tried to tail you and tried to drag you around. But you know what? You can get to the point where your faith will keep him away from you. So you better not come here. Oh, no, you don't. You ain't invited. Uh, you cast out. We went through that for years when we first started the, the ministry where we were in training for certain things. And we would find out that the enemy would find out about certain things, but he kept his distance from us. The anointing makes him keep his distance. So he can hide and watch while you go to the meeting. He can hide and watch while you get healed. He can hide and watch while you receive impartation. He can just hide and watch somewhere. But he can't stop you. You're under a vow to God. You're dedicated to God. And God will help you and follow you, and you'll see it through. But this woman with the issue of blood set a time and set a date and set an event for her to be healed. When you do that, God hears that. So he arranges the meeting for her and the anointing. And so she goes up there and she walks up right behind Jesus when he's on his way to pray for somebody else. You know, it's good to believe for God to give it to you right away. And don't try to invite him over to your house. See, there's a difference between right now and later. Later might not get here. See, when the anointing's flowing, believe for now. Believe for instant. Believe for everything. Believe for, for the best right now. Because later may not come. And it almost didn't come for, for that man's little girl. Some people thought they, you know, he's a big deal in the synagogue or whatever. He says, oh, yeah, he can come over to my house. And uh, daughter's sick, almost dead. Uh, there was one guy who said, just speak the word. <laughs> we went home and it was instantly from that, that very moment, they marked the time. And he said, what time did this happen? And he knew it was right when Jesus spoke. Instantaneous, folks. Instant. Right there. At the speaking of the word. It's right there. And so many things that we need from God do not have to be on a delay schedule. But there are times when God will have you walk out certain things in order to receive your healing. Sometimes he wants to get at the root of things that are causing problems in your life. And sometimes you may have to be in the word for a period of time to get your soul in the position to receive the healing that God has for you. But it will come. Just because it it takes time, it doesn't mean that's your fault. It doesn't mean that. It just means that it's on, it's on schedule. It's, it's coming. And you, faith, Normal Hayes said something interesting. He said, the longer it takes you to receive something from God, the better it is for you. And see, we want to always brag on something happened to us instantly. Like we had something to do with it. Even the faith that you use doesn't belong to you. 
It resides in you, you, you use it, you develop it, but it's the faith of the Son of God. So you can't take credit for none of the stuff that's going on. It's all for his glory if you let him have it. So here, this, this woman with the issue of blood, she came up behind him, she touched, she said, she said within herself, if I can do this, I will be whole. And God said, okay, do it. I'll arrange the meeting. And she got up there and touched him, and sure enough, sickness left her body. She felt in herself, healing is a spiritual thing. I'm going to say it again. Healing's a spiritual thing. It don't have nothing to do with what it looks like and what your symptoms are and what your numbers are. I know what they're doing to folk in the doctor's office. They're making up stuff. Where did A1C come from? It's another devil that showed up and trying to threaten people. You know, I went to the doctor, had to go. I messed around with the blood pressure thing. It went up, and I couldn't get it down in my usual three days. You know, my uh, Lillian Yeoman's three days. And God said, no, you've been too naughty. You've got to work with this for a little bit. So I had to get in the system. Once you get in the system, they're looking for things to to call you. And my name is Barb. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a... It ain't that, we ain't at that meeting. But they want to rename you. Huh? Yeah. You just refuse all of that. He says, wow, your A1C is borderline. I said, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not an illegal. I stay on my side of the border. I ain't crossing over. Huh? See, your faith can stop things before they, you know, I'm not going to shrink back and get nervous and say, oh. What do I do? I know what to do. Before I go in there, I just <laughs> get my cross, got my holy water, got my oil. I got it all, honey. I can be Catholic, Lutheran. <laughs> huh? I do it all. Find out which one of them is working today. Oh, the word is always working, though. How oh, you refuse that stuff? I said, listen, my blood pressure is too high and it won't come down. I said, work with that and let me out of here. But I'm not accepting anything else while you got me in here. You're going to look for this. and look. I'm not giving you nothing else. You understand me? You just don't receive anything. That's enough. Good grief. What do they want to do to you? The devil wants to kill you is what he wants. He wants you to start to receive things. Huh? They give you a rap sheet diagnosis. They look at everything, you know. First time in my life I'm referred to as obese. I used to be a thin slip of a girl. You know, how does, I've been to the doctor in 30 years, you know. <laughs> I'm going to the book. I just don't go. God will let me know. He lets me know everything. He let me know if I need to go. So he let me know. But I'm not receiving that. That's not what I came. I didn't come to receive anything from you diagnosis just give me the right pills and i'll take them drink the water then they give you a, a diet that you couldn't eat if you wanted to i said well this is, this is how they take care of the weight problem tell <laughs> so you can only eat the foods you don't want huh it's treacherous getting involved with this stuff 
So the woman with the issue of blood was cut loose from the system, and it was a good thing for her. Out of money, out of help other than God, she heard about Jesus right at the nick of time. The doctors had so worked with her that she was hopeless because her hope of getting healed through them was gone. When the money gone, the hope gone. But she heard about Jesus. And Jesus was able to tell her, your faith has made you whole. He is not a mystery God. He will explain to you what it is that's working in you that is helpful to you so that you can value that and treasure that. So if anybody looks at that, they say, oh, boy, that faith must be pretty important. And it is. And so when you see Jesus reporting to people things that will help encourage them and let them know how these things happen, he's taking the mystery out of things that are mysterious. Spiritual things are mysterious. But healing is a spiritual occurrence. The Bible says she knew within herself she was healed. He didn't have to tell her. But he told her for her edification, for her building up, for her understanding what had transpired. And he let her know that, you know what, when you said within yourself, this is what I'm going to do, that was your faith speaking. And as long as you keep saying things like that, you'll continue to be healed. You got me? You'll continue to get the things that you want. So Jesus taught, preached, and healed. He's always teaching, preaching, and healing. Now, the man that she interrupted with the come to my house, Jesus, request, I can understand it to a certain degree. He says, verse 18, while he spoke these things to them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshiped him, saying, my daughter is even now dead, but come and lay hands on her. Now, in another account of this, she was only sick. And the woman with the issue of blood came up and interrupted Jesus going to this man's house. Later on, somebody comes to this man and tells him the good news. You know, some people just can't wait to tell you your kid is dead. That's what they told him. They said, oh, don't trouble the master anymore. Just let him go about his business. Your daughter's dead. As if Jesus couldn't do anything about it. When Jesus got to the house, he told the man, he said, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. He also told the man, the minute the evil report people told him she was dead, he said, don't fear. He immediately cast that fear devil out of him. And that made room for his faith to stay alive. Hey, you let fear, you hear some bad news and you let that sit on top of your faith. You're walking around doing fine, believing God for healing. You get some evil report and then you let that change. You let that fear change what you think. No, Jesus said, don't pick that fear up. He said, only believe. And this man's totally confused because he said, believe what? They say she did. You tell me she's sleeping. What do you know? And so he's straightened up. He said, sucked it up and said, okay, I'm believing. And went on to the house with Jesus. Now, why did Jesus say that she was just sleeping? 
because her soul was held in life by him. The minute you request and your faith gets in, and you express your faith to the Lord, he's answered that already. She was healed as far as Jesus was concerned. He said, no, she really ain't dead. She's just sleeping. You know, just, you know to get the, the, get the evil report people and the early funeral people out of the house. He just put her to sleep. He said, let them people go home now. Let them go do something else. By the time we get there, and when nobody, they be out there crying. We can go right into that room and wake up, okay? But the minute you pray and you ask God in faith for something, it's done. As far as Jesus was concerned, that girl was not going to die. Because when that guy said, would you heal her? He said, yeah, it was done. And nothing that happened to her after that could take that done away from her. The only way they can take it away is you believe the evil report. People come and report what they see. Healing is spiritual. It's not physical, not necessarily. It manifests in the physical, but it is a spiritual operation. So when Jesus says that they're healed, it's a spiritual operation. It's already transmitted to you by the Spirit, in the Spirit. You have it as a spiritual done deal. And nothing that the devil, what the devil will do while you're, you're holding on to your spirit, he'll start trying to afflict your body with more symptoms. Trying to, trying to, trying to, trying to, trying to. Take this. You know, you receive the faith from God that your sick child that's in the hospital is healed and the fever goes up. Are you shocked? I'm not. Huh? I'm not. She's still healed. Oh, well, now she's broken out and oh, she's still healed. What, you going you gonna to drop Jesus now and start getting upset about things? What do you expect people to get in the hospital anyway? Everybody gets worse before they get better. I'm going to say it again. Every, you put your, your loved ones on the devil's territory, they will get worse before they get better. You have, a, you have a choice between going to the doctor and going to a healing meeting. I highly suggest a healing meeting. Because healing is a spiritual thing. It manifests in the physical, but it is a spiritual operation. So Jesus gets to the house with this man. He puts everybody out of the room except the parents. Huh? have to do things legally parents have to give consent even to god you're the overseers and intercessors for your children you petition god on their behalf when he gets involved and i don't care if they got gray hair the, the grayer the more you pray you know what it's like to be gray right you gotta pray more when you that huh but you're, they're the spiritual authority for those children. And Jesus must always use somebody's faith to get these things done. So the faith of the parents in the situation is very important. And so Jesus tells him, don't fear, just believe. Hold on to your faith. Don't let it slip because of what you heard. And so the, the little girl gets healed and, and uh, he said she's not... Uh, and they laughed at him when he said she was sleeping. 
but he put them all out and she rose up. When, when Jesus heals people, there is no convalescent period. In one account, it says, they, he said, bring her something to eat. She totally healed. It's not Jesus was there and it took three more days for her to get straight. He didn't leave people like that. You don't need to live like that either. Huh? When he does, why wouldn't he do it all right there? Huh? There are some things that do take time to develop your faith. But we're talking about situations here where the faith was there for them to be healed right there. Amen? Right there. Jesus wants everybody healed immediately. But there are times when these things have to be worked out because he's getting at the root of things. I, was, I had a, a nervous breakdown, and, and that was how I came to the Lord. But I, I, it took five years for me to be healed. And I would always look at it and say, God, I said, you know, gerbils get healed fast. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I'm a gerbil. You know, ugh. And I would always question, as the years have progressed, I've understood what Jesus was doing in in allowing me to walk through something. Some things you sail through, some things you walk through. There are certain things that need to be walked through. Number one, if you're somebody, there was always some depression around our household when I was a kid. My mother was depressed. And, you know, if you've got prophetic kids around there, it's weird. You know, the moody one, they sit and zone out for three hours and say, get up, girl, and do something. Ain't nothing to do, mama. They're trying to find themselves somewhere. I don't know what it is, but they're just strange. And so I would pin, and very sensitive, and I would always pick up my mother's moods and stuff like that. And so the spirits jumped on me, huh? not through generational crap, but through association. You can, over, you can leap over generational stuff just by not receiving it. Huh? People in the natural do that. They thought of themselves. You know, we've been, I've had 14 generations of broke people here. I refuse to be broke. And, and receive your deliverance from God. Now, you've got to do some work. You've got to renew your mind to the fact that you belong to God. But it's doable. It's doable. And so, so God had me walk through the process of renewing my mind, and it taught me how to depend more on the Word of God than I did anything. And it helped me to understand that the Word of God could do anything. And so that, you can't buy that. If you got an instant healing and you went out and tried to walk back and get that later, it wouldn't get deposited the right way in your soul, the way it's supposed to be. And so I thank God for some of the things that he helped me to walk through, And he gave me faith along the journey. One of the things that I I know a believer has authority over is suicide spirits. I was suicidal every day. Thought would occur to me, jump out that window. I stayed in a certain area in my home because if I got in the front where there was a large picture window, I was afraid I would jump through it every day. And I learned what older saints would say when they say, honey, the Holy Ghost, he a keeper. 
See, I was kept by an unseen force that helped me understand that I didn't have to be afraid of myself. Suicidal people are afraid of themselves. You take authority over that and you bind that devil. You tell them to keep you, stop intimidating. They are not, they have power, love, and a sound mind. You start prophesying that over people. And they'll get free. They'll get free. I know there are certain illnesses that run in families and all that kind of stuff, but there's no curse on the new covenant. You have a curse-proof covenant. It's, it's, it's ratified in the blood of Jesus, sealed by an oath and a promise. That, that this thing will not happen to you. This affliction will not rise up in you a second time. That means in every generation it won't rise up. So you can plead the blood in that situation. God, your blood is my only defense against this illness that's attacking my family. And I plead the blood. It stops right here in Jesus' name. And we're to stop these things from manifesting. Not tell people how powerful they are, but you stop them from manifesting. In Luke seven eleven, extreme love raises the dead. God loves you so much he wants you back here on earth. It ain't your time yet. In Luke verse 7. Jesus was a perfect high priest, and I think this was one of those situations where he was moved as a high priest because he, he felt for people. You know, the Bible says there, every priest that is taken from men is, uh, is put in that priesthood because he can feel compassion for people because he's chosen from among you. If somebody's chosen from among you, they can sense and feel the way you do. Now, some people might think that, you know, you're a little lower than they are. Or you, your problems is worse because they over here and you over there. But that's a bunch of baloney. They'll feel something someday. You know, just let them. They ain't the one to pray for you, in other words. So just keep it moving. But in Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 11, it came to pass the day after that he went to a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and many people. Now when he came near to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. Does that seem so familiar to anybody? The only son of his mother who was a widow. Jesus' mother was a widow. And he knew that one day he would be killed and buried and carried out just like that and he said just so it goes on record that i feel for this was i was a real human suffering real pain and was killed for real and i have a grieving family i'm going to show people i have compassion for people in other words jesus family was not immune to feeling just because he was the son of god you understand what i'm saying i have compassion on people because i can sense as a high priest as a priest before men, I understand that people feel when loved ones die, especially when they die the only son. And he didn't want this woman to be left alone. So extreme love refuses death and sorrow. Brother Hagen said that he was in, uh, they were, one of his 
grand grandparents or somebody, somebody elderly, old, much older than him, uh, passed away. They had been, you know, kind of going downhill for a little bit. And uh, everybody was in the room, all the loved ones and even the grandchildren and so forth. And he said the minute she passed away, he could sense a spirit of grief start to move in on that group of people. And he began to prophesy to that thing. And he said, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, why is there victory? He said, the, the sting of sin is, is death, and death is swallowed up in victory. And there is no victory here for you, grief. And that thing started moving right back out where it came from. You don't need a spirit of grief to help you grieve. You don't need any help with that. You do real good at that by yourself. But you can have spirits that will make it extreme, overwhelming, overbearing. Amen. And God doesn't want that for you. And so Brother Hagin was smart enough to make that thing roll back so that even in the face of death and that parting of that loved one, there was not extreme grief that, that fell on those people. And it leaves room for God to move in and begin to heal and begin to make whole. So extreme love. Amen. Extreme love refuses death and refuses sorrow. Amen. Uh, turn to John 4, and I think we can pray after that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing to minister. Thank you, Jesus. John chapter 4. You know, and, and don't don't get me wrong. Your, your, uh, your sorrow is important to God. He carried your sorrows already. You know, the Bible says in heaven there's a vial filled with the tears of saints. Your tears are precious to him. But let him be your healer. You don't need uh, grief to help you with that. So what did I say? John, was it chapter 4? Let's see what verse 46 has. Yeah, verse 46. Jesus came unto, again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea to Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Jesus said to him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Well, what kind of answer is that for somebody who's asking for help? Huh? Jesus, the nobleman said to him, sir, come down here or my son will die. And Jesus said, go to him, go your way, your son lives. And the man believed the word of God that Jesus had spoken to him. Now, why would Jesus confront him about wanting to see signs and wonders? Because that's what he wanted. He had that. You, know, you see where this is taking place. Let me go back there. Jesus has already performed a sign and wonder in Cana of Galilee. So you got a reputation. Ooh, when Jesus comes here, y'all going to see something. You know, Benny Hinn and, and healing ministers will tell you that 
if you can get most of the spectator spirit out of the crowd, everybody would leave their heel. So you got people who is just like, you know, whatever else they do in that venue, like a ball game or, you know, they go out to concession stand and get some hot dogs and popcorn and come back and watch the show. That's why their worship takes so long. Huh? It's like I'm thinking to myself, man, Benny, you know, you got to cut us a check for this, brother. You know, you done piled all these people up in the bus and got them there and all that stuff. And then you go stand up, sit down, stand up. It's almost like Catholics and, you know, Pentecostal, all that mixed up together. Because he's trying to hit them all, baby. He's trying to get that stuff out of that atmosphere so he can get people healed. But this is what brought that man to Jesus. He wanted to see do a, do a thing like you did before. I heard you turn water to wine. What can you, you know, he had that thing on him. And so extreme love comes in and provokes you to use your faith. Faith has to be provoked out of us. You think how, how much must he love us to spend time with us provoking us to get our faith out of us? Because he didn't do it to hurt the guy because he wound up healing his boy. But he had to get his faith loosed out from all of that. Let's see a sign and a wonder. Extreme love provokes you to faith. In verse 47, it doesn't say exactly what Jesus said to him. He said, he's at the point of death, come heal him. And Jesus says, unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. And so he punches the sign and wonder devil out of this guy with those words. And the guy got convicted. And he said, please come. If if you don't come, my son is going to die. That's faith. That's faith. That's all Jesus wants to see is faith. The woman, that, the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was sick. And Jesus said, it's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to a dog. Call the woman a dog. You know why he called her that? Because she was calling herself that. See, when you're not in faith, there's a reason why. She wasn't in faith because she didn't think she was worthy. So the children sit at the master's table, but the dogs get the crumbs. And she said, you call me a dog if you want to, but that don't disqualify me from getting my baby healed. She said, because I can eat the crumbs off the table. You don't have to come to my house. You don't have to do nothing big for me. Just let me know my place. But I'm still going to get my daughter healed. you understand what I'm saying? So the, the dog spirit in her, you know, the Jews call Samaritans dogs behind their back. And so this gave her a, a mentality of not being worthy. Jesus had to strip that off of her to get down to the bare bones of her faith. Her faith was in there somewhere, but he had to strip that junk off of her. To get down to her faith. And extreme love takes the time to strip your junk off of you and get you down to where you can believe. Miss Juana, put on some music. We're going to pray now. Pastor Shirley and I go, come on up if you want prayer because we're going to pray for you now. God is ready to heal. He's ready to 
impart to you anybody who wants to pray for the sick. Now listen to me. If you believe in the anointing, you stand here and receive it and you've got it. Such as I have, I give you. And God has anointed me and Pastor Shirley to heal the sick and to impart anointing to you. Now I can give it to you, but you've got to find your own sick people. And I want you going around in here praying for nobody. You go out on the street, you find somebody, you ask them, how you feeling, girl? You don't look good. Let me pray for you. It's that simple. Amen. But you're going to give that out to somebody. Amen. Don't go home and forget you were here. Go home and expect to see some results and you'll see results. Amen. Praise God. You can line up.